0: Well, what is up, Movement Church? Come on, can I get a hand clap from some people who are in the house? What a historical weekend. You know what frustrates me about that statement? is you have to say what an historical weekend. And I just don't like the use of the word and there, but let's just say it, what an historical weekend. Come on, if you're at a pop-up campus, give somebody an air high 5 give them an air fist bump. If you're wearing a green sticker, you can go give them a real fist bump. If you're wearing a red sticker, you just wave from afar. And you know, we can see you waving behind your mask. We see the smiles behind your mask. And if you're watching online, man, just give yourself like a homeschool high five. Right? Right now, man, we are partying. This is a historical weekend. This weekend, for the first time in our history, we have five campuses happening right now. Come on, Movement Church. I just wanna say a special what's up to my friends at our South Campus. Come on, let me hear you make some noise. South Campus, what's up? It's good to see you. Let me say hello to our Central Campus. Come on, make some noise. What's up, Central? It's good to have you. And North Campus, I've not forgotten about you. How you doing, North Campus? It's good to have you around. And those of you that are on our online campus, man, just throw up some chat, like fire emojis. That was like playing the the piano right there. I don't know what that was, but those some fire emojis in there, man. We're so glad that you are with us, man. I just want to say this is an awesome time to be alive. You know, if you think about the things that have transpired over the past few months we've got a new president i think we don't nobody even knows anymore and we've we're surviving a pandemic we're doing it listen turn to somebody say we're doing it this is absolutely amazing and i just want to say a special thank you to an amazing group of people and and those are the the people who call yourself and you're a part of the dream team come on my dream teamers Let's give it up for some amazing men and women who are serving tirelessly, who made this pop-up campus where you're seated right now, a reality, who's hosting the chats on our online campus right now, who helped you get parked, who led worship today. Man, listen, we couldn't do it. They're behind the camera right now. They can't even turn the camera around to see themselves. And we're just so grateful you're here. Come on, one more time. Let's do a big round of applause for the dream team who made it a reality. I. I am so fired up we're starting a brand new series called heart for the house somebody say heart for the house somebody say it like you really love me say heart for the house we're crossing this threshold as we regather into this pop-up configuration and and we also want to take this moment this monumental moment to, to take some aggressive steps towards our future you know, we, we didn't allow the pandemic and the craziness of 2020 to keep us from driving at the mission and the vision that God has given us. Listen, there are three specific numbers. We've been talking about them for months. 24, 14, and 1. Somebody say 24. Somebody say 14. Somebody say 1. Listen, we are on mission to help 24,000 people who don't know Jesus find the hope that is only found in Him. And you're going, why 27,000? Because that represents 1% of the unchurched, unreached population in Orange County, and we're committed to doing something that makes an eternal difference. And we're believing that 14,000 are going to find mission. In other words, 14,000 people over the duration of our church time as a church are going to find mission and be plugged into what God is doing at the movement church. Why? Because that represents 1% of the unchurched population of the 17 cities in Orange County that God has said, this is your mission field. So we're believing and we're running hard at helping find 27,000 that will help say yes to Jesus, 14,000 that find mission and a church home for everyone. You're a part of that right now. We're believing that God is gonna put a movement church campus within 10 minutes of every person in those 17 cities. And right now you're a part of one of five campuses. Who would have thought that going into a pandemic we would have emerged rocking and getting even closer to the mission and the vision that God has given us. And that's a reality because of you. And this series is about our heart for His house. We, we don't wanna do this for the sake of growth. Our goal is not to grow for the sake of growth. Our goal is to grow because we reach more people. We help find people who are lost. We help find people who need hope and to need to know that they have a future and a destiny that God has given them. Our objective is to grow larger so we can have a greater impact on the community that we live in. So we can impact the hurting and the broken and those that have been forgotten and neglected. This is our mission. And I I just wanna tell you, we are still on mission. In fact, in February, just before the pandemic hit, we launched an initiative with our legacy team, and and we gave some men and women an opportunity to invest over and above normal tithes and offerings as we drive hard at this mission. We presented this idea that we, we're believing God's gonna give us a permanent home one day. And then we're gonna launch into a campus. And, and then we're going to actually start Hope Haven, which is somehow get into the foster community and become the answer for Orange County's foster crisis. We decided we're gonna drive at this and then boom, the pandemic hit, didn't it? But we didn't give up and we're still there today. And here's what I wanna tell you. We're gonna give you an opportunity to jump on board with this again. In the first weekend of December, December 5th and 6th, we're gonna give you an opportunity to invest into what God wants to do in and through the Movement Church as we take a special offering towards these three initiatives. And the reason is because we're not allowing a pandemic to stop us. We're not allowing the gates of hell to stop us because we believe that God placed us here for such a time as this. So I wanna just give you a spoiler alert. That's where we're headed in just a few weeks. We've never asked you to give. We've always asked you to pray about what you would do and then just simply be obedient. Here's what I know. If a pandemic can't stop the kingdom of God, then nothing can. So I love being a part of a group of men and women just like you who are committed to being generous. In fact, we have a culture statement that I love. And it's this, we live generously investing our lives and resources to build the church and impact people because we can. We are committed to leveraging our affluence to influence our community both locally and Globally, And that's a cultural value that is not just some cute statement we make. It's exactly what we live. Literally in the middle of the pandemic, we bought land for our church in Africa. Listen, in the middle of a pandemic, this church gave out over $30,000 in stimulus package to people who were furloughed and lost their jobs and had a pay decrease. Listen, that's what happens when the people of God decide to be a part of a family of God and live generously. We're not stopping now. So I want to challenge you to pray about what your journey will look like as you partner with us in this journey. Can I get an amen? Amen. 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 Well, I got 22 minutes to preach an amazing message. So do me a favor, right where you're at, bow your heads and close your eyes. And let me just take a moment and pray for us. And as I do, I want to ask that you would open your hearts and your minds and your ears to hear and receive whatever it is that God wants to do, let's pray. God, I thank you that you're here. I thank you that you're doing something miraculous in our midst. I thank you that you are the head and not the tail, which means that you have already been victorious. And we're just watching your victory unfold in our lives. So God, right now we lean into you and we look to you and we ask that you would open our hearts and our ears and our minds to hear and receive whatever it is that you wanna say. And I pray, God, that you would help me to preach this really quickly. In Jesus' mighty and precious name, I pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. And that just means I agree. Come on, it's been a long time since you've heard that, isn't it? Well, listen, I don't know if you know this, but... uh, I'm a foodie. Anybody else out there really appreciate some food? I think some of you might know this, but in the middle of COVID, I actually took off with some friends down to Tijuana and Ensenada for a food journey of epic proportion. And I was introduced to some tacos called birria. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm sorry, you don't know what it's like to live yet. And this food is like so life-changing. It's this, this tacos. usually it's goat meat, sometimes it's beef and it's stewed in this beautiful, huge pot like uh, I don't even know it's it's magical and they they put it all kinds of seasonings in this and and there's this broth kind of like an au jus sauce and then they they take corn tortillas and they lightly fry them and then pull out this pulled beef or goat or whatever it is it's just called birria and it's just it's like singing an angelical chorus as they pull it out of the pot and they place it in the corn tortilla and then they give you this dipping sauce and you dip the taco into the dipping sauce, and as you eat, Jesus shows up with Moses and Elijah, and you sit and you talk about the amazingness of this great food. And that, my friends, is why I have a weight problem. I don't know about you, but I put on COVID-15, lost COVID-8, put on COVID-12, lost COVID-8. Now I'm like in the 30s or 40s. I'm sucking in so much right now, I can't even keep my breath. And that just leads me to my next point. Do you know what the number one killer in America is today? It's not cancer and it's not COVID, it's heart disease. Heart disease is the number one killer in America today. And let me tell you what contributes to heart disease. Weight issues, diet issues, physical inactivity, all of these things increase your risk of getting heart disease, and it's the number one reason why people die today, which means you could have some washboard abs, biceps for days, and triceps to make your mama sing and still be dying. Do you realize that? Because literally, the physical condition of your heart is the primary indicator of your physical health. And the same is true that the spiritual condition of your heart is the indicator of your spiritual health. Let me say that again. The spiritual health of your heart is the primary indicator of your spiritual health. All God has ever asked for is our heart. That's all he's ever asked for. In Romans 10, 10, he says, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and Christ raised him, God raised him from the dead, then we'll be saved. There's something to simply believing in our heart. God has always only wanted our heart. In Romans 2, 15, he said he wants his word written on our hearts. In Romans 5, 5, he says his love is poured into our hearts. In 2 Corinthians 1:22, it says he has anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts. As a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Jesus said, The pure in heart see God. But it's our heart that often gets us into trouble. Solomon said, I gave my heart up to deep despair. Jeremiah says in chapter 17, verse nine, that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Proverbs 23 says, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And that's scary because look what James 1:14 says, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away, listen, by their own evil desires and enticed then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown gives birth to death. Hey, listen, my friends in pop-up campuses, watching online, look at me right here in the eyes. What is the condition of your heart today? What is the condition of your heart today? I'm not asking you what are other people's perception of you? I'm asking what is the condition of your heart today? The heart is the root for most of our problems, which means it's also where God does his best work. We see a story emerge in the New Testament where Jesus is confronted by the Pharisees, which he was over and over and over again. These jack wagons would show up and try to prove that Jesus wasn't the Messiah. And every time they tried, he would prove them wrong and shut their mouths and it made them so mad that they plotted to kill him and they did. The problem was that was all part of the plan and that's how good God is. But listen, they show up on the scene, they try to trap him and they get frustrated with him and his disciples trying to figure out why it is the disciples aren't doing things the way that the pharisees the religious leaders are doing it look at this mark chapter 7 verse 1 it says this now when the pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from jerusalem they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled that is unwashed For the Pharisees, which just means spiritual leaders, and all of the Jews did not eat unless they washed their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless the washing of the cups and pots, I missed my my whole passage, unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches, that's exciting. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, being Jesus, listen, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with undefiled hands? Now what you may not know is that this hand-washing ceremony had become so precisely defined that literally they would measure out a specific amount of water. There was a certain way that the hands must be postured. And there's a certain specific direction that the water was supposed to flow. So this hand-washing ceremony had actually become a spiritual ritual that in their minds was synonymous with having a pure heart. So the Pharisees show up and they ask Jesus, yo, what's up with your boys? They're not washing their hands before they eat, which obviously means they don't have pure hearts. And here's what the problem is. This cleansing and spirituality depended upon this perfectionist attention to detail. And hand washing, and this is what's so scary to me, had become a substitute for the spiritual experience it was meant to represent. They had substituted washing their hands with the spiritual experience of having a pure heart. And Jesus, as you can imagine, is not super stoked about it. And he replies in chapter seven, verse six, and he being Jesus said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites as it is written. It's never good if Jesus, the son of God, the creator of all mankind calls you a hypocrite. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites as it is written. The people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. He calls out to these religious leaders, calls them hypocrites for how they've interpreted the scripture. Listen, what they had done is substituted lip service for heart transformation. They had substituted human tradition for walking in righteousness. And what was intended for life change was now merely play acting. They had put on this costume and become an actor in some play that Jesus never intended for us to be a part of. These spiritual leaders had great intentions, but were merely wearing masks. And so here's how this begins to subtly work its way into our lives. And I want to explore kind of the steps that we all unintentionally follow. And I want you to take a moment as you watch right where you're seated and do some introspection. Don't elbow your spouse. Don't talk to your kids. Don't shoot a text to your friends that you really need this message today. I want you to take a moment and do some introspection and see where perhaps you may have become casual to what God wants you to take seriously. So here's what happens. A spiritual truth in our life is represented by a meaningful symbol. In other words, you or I make some adjustments and we allow God to do some real work. Maybe we're brand new to faith and we say yes to Jesus and we want all that God has to offer and this is good, my friends. There's nothing wrong with this. And we know that God wants his word written on our hearts and we hear people talk about doing our devotions and reading the scripture and step reading that's found in the app. And so we now bring in this spiritual truth represented by a meaningful symbol that I'm gonna sit down on a daily basis and do my devotion. I'm going to read the word and this is a good thing. It could also be represented in your church attendance. You see, God do something and I want to make some changes so I start going to church because I see good Christians going to church so I should go to church or maybe you jump on the dream team and this is a good thing. I want to give service. I want to walk in purpose. I want to volunteer and and help people find who Jesus is and this is is a good thing. Or maybe you change your behavior. You allow God to do some work in your life and you you change and you rearrange your behavior and you start behaving better. And this is a good thing. What happens is we have an encounter with God and this spiritual truth now is represented by a meaningful symbol. Well, then the meaningful symbol becomes ritualized as a required or necessary spiritual exercise. In other words, I started reading the Bible because I'm so new to God and I'm on fire for him. Ah, I wanna read whatever he wants me to read. I wanna read it. God starts to do something in my life and now I've gotta read every day and this, my friends, is a good thing. It is a necessary spiritual Exercise. We start going to church all the time. We're at every service, and this is a good thing because being around the body of Christ, when God's people gather, God's presence shows up. When my behavior changes and I start acting and behaving good, this is a good thing. But if we're not careful, we'll follow the same trap that the Pharisees, the religious leaders of Jesus' day did, when the ritual itself, is substituted for the spiritual experience that it was originally representing. In other words, we internalize it and we give it this spiritual meaning so that the ritual becomes the end in and of itself. What I have here, I'm sure you have no clue, but this is the owner's manual for my Mazda CX-5. I call it a poor man's Tesla. And it's a beautiful car that my wife and I lease. And we love this car. But listen, if I read this book every day, cover to cover, if I followed a plan outlined by Mazda and the amazing people in their app, and I read each section, each article of this manual, oh, I would have great knowledge about what a Mazda CX-5 is. I would know more about the car, but I wouldn't necessarily know how to fix what's broken. I couldn't add a turbocharge to it if I wanted to. I can't add a third row to this vehicle. I have knowledge, but I have zero understanding. Reading this manual might give me knowledge, but it doesn't make me a skilled mechanic. It doesn't give me the ability to assess what's happening in the vehicle and the engine and and read the lightings and the displays and say, oh, we've gotta make this adjustment or add more fluid. Sure, I could Google some things, but it doesn't make me a skilled mechanic. I can't change anything, I just simply have more knowledge. When spirituality becomes an equation rather than transformational encounters, I'm guilty of confusing clean hands with a pure heart. And then I begin to read the Bible because I'm supposed to not because it's where God reveals his nature to me and I'm so desperately in love with Jesus that I want every ounce of who he is. Sure, it starts out that way, but then I ritualize reading the Bible and it becomes another box to check, another to-do list, just like church attendance becomes the summation of my faith. And I need to be there every six days because that's where my faith is actualized. And going to church is a great thing. It's committed my life to it. But it cannot be a substitute for God's work in my life. Do you see what I'm saying? Can you smell what I'm cooking? If we're not careful, we'll become guilty of substituting clean hands with a pure heart. What is the condition of your heart? What is the condition of your heart? You know what's so terrifying is that in this process, Jesus begins to talk to the Pharisees and he brings up this illustration to them. And and he says, wait, wait, you you have now substituted my desires for you with ceremony and with process. He, He goes on and he begins to read the scripture. Hey, you were told by Moses to honor your father and mother. And there was a law that was put into place that when moms and dads would get too old, the children would take care of them financially. And this is a good thing but they used their faith to weasel out of it and said, well, if we call it Corbin, in other words, if I give my financial gift to the church, then I don't have to take care of my parents and I can excuse my poor behavior and justify my poor behavior with my faith. And Jesus said, you hypocrites, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is defiled. What is the condition of your heart today? What is the condition of your heart today? In the scripture it goes on in Matthew, Mark chapter seven, Jesus does this, he says, and he called the people to him again and he said to them, hear me, all of you, and understand there is nothing, listen, outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. He's saying that washing your hands is not synonymous with purifying your heart. He's saying if you read four chapters a day, it doesn't necessarily mean you're transforming your life. He's saying if you just simply attend church, it is not necessarily a measure of your faith. And this is what's so terrifying because the church in America today has substituted lip service with heart transformation. And it became so evident when, out of nowhere, a pandemic shows up and we're shut into our homes and our routines and our systems and our structure were stripped away. And we're left to just simply being me. No pretense, no play acting, just me. And what's terrifying to me is the measure of faith that I've seen in so much of Christianity because people had substituted clean hands with pure hearts. Verse 17 says, and when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him, okay, Jesus, uh, can you run that by me one more time? Uh, Let's let's play that one back again. I'm not sure that I fully understand what it is that you're trying to say. And can I just tell you, this is comforting for me because if the 12 dudes who spent every waking moment with Jesus didn't fully understand it. It gives you and me a hall pass when we don't always get it right. Can I get an amen from somebody? It's like, okay, I'm not a complete failure. Jesus responds to them and he said to them, are you also without understanding? Again, not the words you want the son of God to say to you, but still, are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from the outside cannot defile him since it enters not the heart, but his stomach and is expelled. Yep, that's what Jesus is talking about. Thus, he declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him for from within, out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. What is the condition of your heart? I am not asking what are people's perception of who you are. Isn't that what we do? We work so diligently to convince everyone else that we are who we want to be. And it's like washing our hands before we eat as a substitute for purifying our heart. What if Netflix did a documentary expose on your life? a six part series where we get to get a sneak peek into the way that your mind is wired and the thoughts that you think about the people you really don't like. What would that documentary tell us? What if we got a sneak peek into your life and the documentary showed some B-roll footage of how you treat the people who are closest to you during times of crisis? What if if we got in, in, in episode three of the documentary series, the expose on your life, in episode three, we get to see a sneak peek of the sin which still dominates your life. What would that documentary series show about who you are? Now, I just wanna pause for a moment and, and encourage you I'm not here to try to bring condemnation I'm not here to try to demand perfection from you I'm not here to try to tell you you need to start behaving a certain way or doing certain things that's the exact same thing the pharisees were saying to Jesus with regards to his disciples and Jesus said you're missing it how how are you not seeing this I'm merely trying to get you to take a moment and reflect on the condition of your heart. It doesn't even matter what I think. It's about what God thinks. And here's what I know that he thinks. He thinks that you're freaking amazing. He thinks that you are worth the highest price on this planet. He desperately wants your heart. So here's my suggestion. Quit substituting lip service and peripheral activities and semantics and the motions and the processes and just simply submit your heart to Him. I'm not saying you shouldn't read your Bible. I'm not saying you shouldn't attend church. What I'm saying is those things cannot be the measure of the condition of your heart. What is the condition of your heart right now? Right now, what are the things that are holding you back? What are the things that are stopping you? What's the Hey, listen. What's the area of sin that you're still allowing to dominate your life? You don't have to anymore. And there are some of you watching right now, maybe online, maybe in a pop-up campus, and, 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 and you're, you're going, man, the condition of my heart is bad. But you haven't even begun the journey with Jesus. And I want to talk to you for a moment. I don't care if everyone else stops listening. I want to talk to you for one moment. Today's your day. This is not when life becomes perfect, but this is when surrender begins. And we say, okay, God, I'm done trying to do this on my own. I need you. And if that's you, you, you've never begun the journey with Jesus. Or maybe you've begun a journey like this, but you've been running from God. Why don't you come back to him today? Would you do me a favor everywhere you're at, whatever room you're in, do me a favor right now, bow your heads and close your eyes. I don't want anyone looking around, nobody moving. But if you're here and you're watching and you need to begin that journey with Jesus, just make this prayer, I pray your own in a small whisper or the quietness of your own heart. Just say, dear God, I know that you're real. I know that you love me. I know you've given me purpose. And I want you to have my heart. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at infotheocmovement.com? At and if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com, and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.